Okay, brother, your host of five, can you hear me okay? Hey, shalom. Hey, peace, my brother. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. So, hey, guys, listen, we have Brother Yehoshaphat in Israel on the line with us today. Uh, this brother has been in the game for a long time. I mean, I remember my first experience with um, not even knowing a brother, but knowing of his work, the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper, JCN newspaper. I mean, I remember seeing that joint back in like 2000, actually before 2000, like, Around, I say the early 2000s, but definitely around like 1999 or something like that. When did you get started doing the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper? I started in 1990, actually. 1990. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember seeing them back in the day. You know, they were circulating in the university. So. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, you know, that's. That's where we got our knowledge and information from. That's right. Well, That's right. So That's right. This this is your show, man. Like I'm just uh I'm just honored to be in the midst of you as my elder and as uh one of the spiritual brothers who have paved the way for not only just brothers like myself, but you know, brothers and sisters that have gone before me. So, um wherever you want to start, brother, I'm I'm okay with um Definitely, uh, you know, we want to know a little bit about you, your background. I've talked about the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. For those that don't know, you can go into more details about what that is. And um, you say that you've been in uh, that business since 1990. So uh, wherever you feel like starting, brother, I'm okay. Okay. Yes, sir. No problem. Uh, I guess I can just give everybody just a brief uh, uh, background on how everything started and how it worked its way up to where we are today, briefly. Um I came into the knowledge of, um, you know, of who we were as a people uh, back in the late 1970s when I was going to the University of Memphis, their college here in the city where I'm from, and I ran across some brothers who were from uh, Chicago and southern Illinois, and they came over to the university. And by time and chance, I ran across them, and that was the first time I had heard, you know, any type of information of that sort. And uh, that was in '78, but it wasn't until it wasn't until now that was '76. It wasn't until '78 that later I met one of those same brothers um, downtown, and he told me that they were doing classes, and that's when I started going to the classes, and I uh, went to those uh, from '78 up until 1990, and then in 1990 that's actually when the publication started. And it actually started out as a school project, uh, we, and in a graphic, in graphic, in graphic art, in graphic arts, uh, yeah, in graphic art school here in Memphis. One of the assignments that the instructor gave us was that, yeah, was that we uh, do the front page of a newspaper. So I end up. Uh, doing the front page of a newspaper, and then the, the spirit just say, "Well, put seven more pages together." And so I put seven more pages together. And those eight pages, and I knew uh, where to go get it. You know, uh, published that because I I had learned that from the university that I gone through earlier. Because we uh, brother used to do the, the black student journal newspaper there in the college, and so I knew where he did that. At. So I went back over where he 
uh, used to do that paper, and that's how I did my first issue. And from there, um, I just started networking and sending the papers to different people uh, around the country, and then one brother gave me a mailing list, and then one thing led to another, and so that was in 1990, and since then it's grown up to what we're doing now here in uh, 2020, my brother. Man, that's just great work, man. Like, if you all have not seen the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper, you definitely want to check it out. So tell us what, where the name came from, the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper, because you put a lot of thought and a lot of work into that beautiful rendition of that newspaper. Right, and and that's a good question too, Aki. Like, because um, uh, when I first did it, I went to a, I went to a store. And I asked this, uh, it was a, it was a black owned business and I asked, I asked the guy, I asked him would he buy an ad, uh, for the, uh, to go on the paper and he, he was operating a furniture business. And so when he looked at the name of the paper, he saw Jerusalem Chronicle. He said to me, he said, well, why am I going to buy an ad for my, uh, for my furniture store? And, uh, uh, I'm from Memphis and you got Jerusalem on here. Uh, we need something that, that focuses on right here so people understand. And so I, I went to explain to him what I'm going to explain, that Jerusalem, as we know, was the capital of where we were from before we came to the United States of America. A lot of black people in the United States of America, they're not privy uh, to this information, understanding the fact that if you traced our, our roots all the way back, they they would go back to the ancient Afro-Asianic Hebrew people from the land of Canaan or the land of Israel. And so the capital of the land of Israel was Jerusalem. That was the capital city. And so what King Solomon told uh, Israel when he dedicated the temple to the Most High, he said, uh, if the people be scattered among the nations and if they go to strange lands, he said, if they let Jerusalem come to their mind, and if they let Jerusalem come to their mind, he asked the Most High, would he hear their prayer and would he hearken to them and bring them back home? So that's how it came uh, upon the name Jerusalem. And the second part, Chronicle, that came from the fact of just reading the books of the Chronicles in the Scriptures, the first Chronicles and the second Chronicles, which basically uh, was a chronological uh, look at the lives of our people in the land. So that's what I knew that we would be doing with the paper here. You know, in, in, in this land, we'll be basically looking at the chronological steps that we were uh, taking as a people uh, to move back to the land. So Jerusalem was the focus, and the Chronicles is, is you know, the, our day-by-day life. And so I put those two words together, Jerusalem Chronicle, and that's how I came up with the name Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. And then you're also spreading the news. Right. And then the main thing I wanted to do, and I just didn't want to just report to me the news. I said what we needed to do is we needed to know the truth behind the news. A lot of times our brothers and sisters, when they look at, when they look at the information that we receive uh, from the powers that be, uh, from other people that print news and we read their publications and they basically uh, define us to ourselves. That's not we telling our story, but they're they're uh, coming and listening and then uh, recycling our story, then telling it back to us. And it's from their narrative. It's not from our narrative, and nor is it uh, meant to uplift us as a people. A lot of times, um, uh, even from the times when it was illegal for us to read and write, 
other people were describing uh, us in the news on how we were, our value, our worth, so forth and so on. And that has carried on even since then up until now. So with the Jerusalem Chronicle, another reason that led me to do the newspaper is that before I started the paper in the 1990, uh, the decade before that, in the 1980s, I used to always read black newspapers. And, and when I used to read the black newspapers and all the black newspapers, when they referred to Israelites, they would actually put the tag cult behind it. And these were black newspapers. Uh, these were black newspapers. They would put things in like black Hebrew cult, uh, black Hebrew cult. And I read that throughout the 80s. And, and I said, man, we need some type of publication uh, where we can actually define ourselves that we are a community of people or that we're not a cult, but we're a culture. We're people who have re-embraced our Hebrew culture. But because the powers that be have attempted to uh, mislead us toward the religion, basically, that they gave us going back to Chattel slavery up until now, anything that they don't uh, basically ordain or anything that they don't co-sign or give the certification upon, then they look down on it and give it a negative connotation like a cult. So this is what they was doing uh, to to our people because they were uh, breaking away from the slave master's religion that had been imposed upon us since we've been here, and they were reading the scriptures and getting the true understanding and actually seeing ourselves in the mirror as we looked into the scriptures and probed ourselves. And so the powers that be, they didn't want that to happen, so whenever a black man or a black woman uh, and you know, embrace their Hebrew heritage. The first thing they was is label them as a cult and try to uh, come up with a negative connotation to make the other brothers and sisters in the community not listen to them or not gravitate to what they were saying. So I knew that we we needed to tell our own story, and the only way that we can do it is that we had to have our own publication. And so from me reading all that about us being labeled as cults up until, you know, me going over to um, the graphic arts school and, of course, seeing the things that I had seen in the one universe, I kind of put all those together. And the most, the most I blessed me to be, actually come out in March of 1990 uh, with the first publication. And I said I wanted to tell the truth, the truth behind the news because many times the news, they won't tell you the truth behind the news. They only tell you uh, the news because they don't look at it from, uh, a Yaman, and that's one thing that that the Jerusalem Chronicle does bring to uh, to, to black media. Period. As far as uh, you know, we have black newspapers, but what is a black newspaper if you're black, but you're only just regurgitating a, a, a white story? So you know, it's 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 really you just basically taking their 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 perspective and you putting it in your newspaper. You're not doing no investigative uh, study behind it to look at the you know the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and look at it from an independent perspective. So that is another element that we bring uh, to the Jerusalem Chronicle. In the major newspapers, they talk about poverty. They talk about the inner cities. They talk about uh, mass incarceration. They talk about HIV. They talk about all these negative connotations. And as, but one thing they never talk about is how these uh, how these ills are linked to Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, 15 through 68. They never want to bring that element into that because if if you looked at that and brought that in, you'll see that our spiritual DNA lines up with the ancient Afro-Asianic Hebrew people. So the people that report the news, they just want to talk uh, talk about the conditions of the people, but they don't want to answer the reasons of why. 
They don't want to go back and talk about uh, who we were as a people before we came to the United States of America. So it's very important that we have our own publication that we can uh, tell the truth about. It. And even now, it's so important right now, my brother, because in light of uh, this mass manipulation that we see going on with this uh, COVID vaccine and things like that, uh, our people need uh, our own independent voices more than ever right now, more than ever, so we can get the truth uh, behind, again, the news that's being uh, given to us. And right. so that's, that's, that's the role that, that, that the Chronicle uh, plays to, so the people can actually get an uh, independent voice from somebody like themselves, but who have no vested interest in manipulating them one way or the other, but just bringing the facts to, to the, us as a people. And that's what we do with the paper. And, you know, that's what it's about, because people have to have their own individual minds, right? It's one thing to to read um, what, you know, the masses are reading. It's another thing to go behind, you know, and like you said, really investigate what's going on and don't take it for face value. And because for so long we have taken things for face value, not really understanding the ramifications that taking everything uh, face value has a harmful effect on our psyche on our psychology, right? And so we right. have to, um, we have to, you know, seek and, and search and look out, you know, in order to, to get behind, you know, the, the root of it all. And it's good because um, you mentioned one thing per se, uh, with everything that you hear, everything that you see, take it with a grain of salt. Don't just take it for face value, you know? So uh, with that being said, uh, we've talked about, the beginning of the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. It started back in 1990. I remember seeing it the latter part of the 1990s, uh, 98, 99, and 2000, of course. Um, you know, so I, I love the information. I love what I remembered back then, and I have not had one since, since then, but um, I, I do remember how it tied our people to each other, and I had really hoped to meet you when I first started seeing the newspaper, the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper, and uh, it has brought us to this point now. So I just want to say uh, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity of, you know, conversing with you and being able to uh, share with the rest of the world the beautiful production of the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. So um, you know, now we have another opportunity to reach another market with the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. So I'd like to ask you, where can our people find the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper? Is it online? Um, how do they access that? Because I'd love for our listeners to definitely um, take advantage of purchasing the Jerusalem Chronicle for you, because that is your business, that is a source of information, and we need to keep um, dollars where they need to be. I appreciate that. And and uh, one of the uh, ways that they can uh, get in contact, i like for them just to do it, if they would just simply reach out, and I would like to give them a phone number out. You can always call the news, call the news desk and uh, get the subscription. You have a subscription desk, and you can call, and you can call in. We take the information uh, directly from you, all the information, and and after that, we'll mail you, mail you the paper out and send you the information that you need to send us in order for us to uh, – place you on our mailing list every time the paper come out the paper will be sent directly to you 
we do have a Facebook uh, where we keep up with different news and things uh, going on in the world to keep our people up on a day-by-day basis because the paper comes out every two months. But with the world uh, changing the way it is, a lot of things happen instantly day-by-day. So you can go to our, our, our Facebook for that. Our Facebook, that's uh, Yitzhak, um, that's Y-I-S-S-A-C. And you spell it again, Yitzhak, Yitzhak, Y-I-S-S-A-C. It's spell it twice. First name is Y-I-S-S-A-C. Last name is Y-I-S-S-A-C. That's Yitzhak, Yitzhak. Also, you can go to uh, the Jerusalem Chronicle uh, on Facebook as well. And that is also um, that is also a way that you can see new news, new information coming from all different quarters throughout the community uh, uh Various segments of the community just piped into that, so you get a chance to just see uh, a lot of information coming from all different segments of consciousness in in the black community on the Jerusalem Chronicle. Uh, Yitzhak, uh, it it comes out with with information back to back uh, on the Chronicle on a daily basis. So, in between looking at the uh, Facebook, uh, looking at um, uh, the Yitzhak Yitzhak, and looking at uh, the Jerusalem Chronicle. Uh, newspaper, Facebook, and also Twitter. If you go to Twitter, if you go to Twitter, you look at uh, at Yehoshaphat Israel. My name is Y E H O S H A P H A T, and the last name is I S R L one. So at Yehoshaphat Israel one. That's how you can. Uh, Follow me on, on on Twitter and also at Jerusalem Chronic. That's also on Twitter as well. And on Jerusalem Chronic, we have a, a, a protest uh, that's going on. That's been going on uh, for the last uh, five years, going on, on six years. A good example of why we needed a paper is that back in February, uh, February 21st of 2015, you had a, a young uh, African Hebrew uh, young lady that was a part who had joined the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, over in Israel. And when she joined the uh, IWF, the IDF over in Israel, uh, she came up mysteriously uh, slain on the uh, Palamon Air Base there in Israel on on February 21st of, of 2015. The IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, they immediately said that the 19 year young girl had committed suicide. But after further investigation, they come to find out that she had two holes in her head. So with two holes in her head, they noticed she couldn't have committed suicide. It had to be murder. And so from our investigation that we have done with the paper and looking back and forth, uh, what, what the spirit had led us to uh, see is that it's one of her uh, superior officers is guilty for uh, attempting to uh, sexually molest her, rape her, and also uh, when he did it, he, he took a life. But the IDF, they immediately closed the case in military court, and they turned it over and said that it was a suicide. But nobody's ever committed suicide with two holes in their head. You shoot yourself once, you fall to the ground. There's no way you shoot yourself and stand still and shoot yourself twice. So they immediately let you know that there was some type of foul pay play involved. So we covered that with the newspaper. We covered that from the newspaper all the way from 2015 up until now, and we continue to put that on the forefront. Our brothers and sisters in the United States of America, a lot of them didn't know about it because uh, most of our struggle is focused here in the United States of America. But what our brothers and sisters have to realize, especially in 2020 going into 2021, 
that we as a people, we must internationalize our struggle. Black America must no longer feel like you're confined to the United States of America in terms of seeking a solution to the problems that face us as a people. We got to think outside the American box that we've been boxed in for the last 400 years. We got to look at the world from an international perspective, which means that in the future, it may be necessary for us as a people to think about repatriation and looking at uh, uh, building our communities, uh, building businesses, and, and building a life for ourselves outside the confines of the United States of America. There is another world besides the United States of America. And I know our people have been like, you know, the blinders on, like, you know, when you uh, take a horse or a mule and you put the blinders on, he can only see what you allow him to see because you have the blinders right. on. And this is That's what right. they have done to our people for the last four centuries. They put blinders on our people, although they mistreated them, although they uh, said that we are who we are and, and have not given us the dignity of a human being, but at the same time, they still kept the blinders on it so to make us think that this was the only solution, this was the only place we had no other alternative but to deal with them and to take what they was putting down. But it's a new day. Yeah. It's twenty twenty one. Uh, information is flowing. You 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 got you got information flowing internationally. You can talk to a brother on the continent just like me and you talking to each other right here. Uh, you mm-hmm. can see people across the world the same way we see each other face to face every day. So this is opening up a whole new different dimension that is bringing our our, our awareness to a different. Uh, horizon, and so we should take advantage of that and create these the international ties. And then, and as we confront uh, the powers that be here in the United States of America and deal with the uh, the different uh, issues that we have to deal with, we don't feel like we are boxed in. We have also we have a, another we have an alternative measure. You know, the same way uh, people that come to America from China. They may have a Chinatown in San Francisco, but if they ever need to go, they can always go back to Beijing. The same way the Japanese, they, they build up great communities in the United States of America, but if they need to, they can always go to Tokyo. But if the black man in the United States... Really, yes, really quick, really quick, and then I want to get back to that because I don't want our listeners to lose focus on um, the, the story that you were talking about. You mentioned okay. that the sister was... Uh, raped, murdered, shot several times. What was her name? Her name was Tovit Rapcliffe. You spelled it T O V E E T. Tovit. I remember. I remember her last that. name is Rapcliffe. It's R A D C L I F F E. You can go to YouTube. YouTube. You can search. All type of information come up. You can Google. All type of information come up. You can do your own investigation. You'll be able to see it for yourself. And the best thing we could do is bring awareness. I bring awareness mm-hmm. to let let them know that as they always say never again. But well, we say never again, and never, especially in silence, where you just walk away as if you haven't done anything. But the first time you do something to them, the first time they start hollering, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. But this was the death of a woman, and the Jewish yes, community in America. They they know about it. They know about it, and they they were well aware I, of it. I'm gonna tell you why I remember it. I remember it because I actually covered um I covered a story on it, and because it re- it reminded me not only is it a heinous crime first and foremost, it's a crime against humanity. 
right? It's it's genocide. It's, it's right. a crime against our people, right? It's it's a hatred crime. It's a it's a racial hate crime, right? That's but right. it also reminded me of um, Lavina Lynn Johnson, who was right. raped and murdered in the military. It, it seemed it sounded similar to that. And then they had the cover up. That's right. You know. That's right. Yeah. It was the same exact thing. It was the same exact thing. It was it was the same exact case, exactly very similar case. And they did the same thing with her, and they did the same thing with 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 Toby as well. They sure did. Yes, they sure did. Yeah. They sure did. And so, and right, and without our information uh, source, at least let our people be aware of it. And then they they at least can't walk away from it and say that we didn't do any wrong. Now you can you can ignore the evil that you've done, but at least we'll let you know that we know that you did do evil, and so you know we're conscious of it, and we'll let you know that you, we are conscious of it, so you'll be conscious of it, and you can't just you know act as if it it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. That's that's part of being transparent and holding people accountable. Definitely. So uh, let's talk about your initiatives. What initiatives do you have going on besides the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper? I mean, it's a, it's, it's phenomenal in itself. I mean, that's a, the fact that you have, that it has existed since 1990 speaks volumes in itself. So again, I, I just want to say like, you know, I, I appreciate the work that you have done with the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper, and uh, and I'm looking forward to to seeing some uh, upcoming editions. So, tell us a little bit more about your initiatives, what you got going on, uh, what you got coming up, and uh, I also understand that you've had several trips back and forth to uh, Africa. So, let's talk about that too. Yes, sir. Uh, good. All right. And this is the initiative that we had that was an outgrowth of, of, of the Jerusalem Chronicle. Of course, uh, by uh, being an editor of a newspaper and and being a reporter and all at the same time, you have to keep your feet to the beat and your ears to the street so you stay up on the information uh, that's flowing. So uh, in in our um, you know keeping up abreast the news, we 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 knew that our people had been brought here on August the nineteenth of sixteen nineteen under this administration. We're fully aware that our brothers and sisters have been brought here under other administrations because before the English got the 13 colonies, the Spanish were here and the French were here. And so we know the Spanish and the French, they were here and they had uh, captives as well. But what we're concentrating on is the 13 colonies. The 13 colonies gave birth to the 13 states, which grew into the United States of America. That's the administration that we have been under for the last 40 years, that particular administration. This administration that we've been held captives to started on August of 1916-19. So in 2012, which was seven years short of 2019, which was marked for 400 years for us under this administration, not since black people in America, but under this administration. So marking the, the 400 years under this administration, we started a countdown. That countdown started on the banks of the James River in Jamestown, Virginia, the location where it all started with the first 20 captains who were brought in here uh, in Chesapeake Bay 
on August 19th, up 1619, that they sold them over up in Hampton Roads over at uh, Fort Comfort, and then they took them down to the provincial capital, which was Jamestown, and they exchanged them for food and supplies. That was the beginning of our people, a 400-year, what are referred to as a holocaust, not African-American history, but a holocaust, a destruction of a people, torture, torment, and terrorism. For 400 years, from the first time our people's foot has stepped on this soil, even to the last knee that was on George Floyd's neck. So for 400 years, this is what has been happening to, to us as a people here in the United States of America. So in 2012, we knew we were seven years shy of that 400 years. So we started a countdown. We went back to Jamestown. Seven years short, because we know seven is a very special seven-year cycle, seven days Shabbat, the seventh month, so forth and so on. That's a spiritual thing. So we knew seven years short of the 400 years had, had a spiritual connotation to it. So we started seven years short of the 400 years. Each year, on August the 19th, we hosted what we referred to as the Israelite Holocaust, Remembrance and Observance. And we said Holocaust because the Holocaust, it means the total destruction of a people, their way of life and their heritage and their culture. So that is what happened to us, a total destruction of our way of life, our heritage, and our culture, a burnt offering, totally burnt to the ground, like a nuclear holocaust or destruction of a people's heritage. So we knew that we as a people had gone through a holocaust, a total destruction. So this wasn't no African-American history. So every August the 19th, we would host the Israelite Holocaust Remembrance and Observance. And we would go over the 400 years, brother. We would set up. We had, we had, we had all type of uh, artifacts. We had articles. We, have, uh, we had a museum. We made a museum. And in the museum during the weekend, we would have it because we would always do it the whole weekend. So the whole weekend, we would have the museum. We would have the hangings, the lynchings, the plantation stories, the books, this. Just the whole, we laid the whole 400 years out. And we would uh, come every year, and we would observe that. And so we walked that down with the blessings of the Most High. We walked that down all the way from 2012 up until 2019, which was last summer. We went back to the Jamestown, to the banks of the James River, and we concluded the 400 years there on the banks of the James River. That was prophetic uh, based on Genesis 15 and 13, where the Most High said, your people will be in this land for 400 years. So during this seven-year countdown, uh, we knew that the next phase would be for us is our freedom coming out of here. So as we counted down toward the year 2019, my brother, in 2017, we met a brother from Cincinnati named Elder Mikael Ben-Yehuda who had been to Israel and had been a part of the earlier movement when the brothers and sisters had left uh, the United States from Chicago and went to Liberia and went to Israel. So he had come back. And so he had come to one of our Holocaust observances. And when he came to the Holocaust observances, he invited us to Ghana because he was going back and forth to Ghana at the time. And so we accepted. And so in 2017, that was our first year that our organization, the Israelite Spiritual Action Committee, Yitzhak, that was the first year that we went to Ghana in 2017 at his invitation. We hosted the first pan-Israelite freedom conference outside the United States of America. It was an Israelite conference not in America, but a conference outside America. And so we hosted our first conference outside America in 2017. We went back again in 2018. And in September 
of 2018, the president of Ghana, President Adu, came to the United States of America and went to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., and he announced the year of return. He announced the year of return leading up to the year 2019. That was very prophetic. When we went and started on the banks of James River in 2012, it was on eight families. In 2019, after the president of Ghana announced the year of return, over one million black people visited Ghana during the year of return, adding $3 billion to their economy, giving them the initiative to want to ask black America to no longer stay in America under the persecution, the oppression, the affliction that we have been dealing with, and that they would begin to open the door and make a way for those who would want to leave the confines of this land for 400 years, and they would be able to transition up out of here. That was very prophetic. Ever since then, each year we've been going back. We're about to go back in February coming up, and February the 23rd through March the 9th. This will be our fifth Pan-Israelite Freedom Conference. We go and we, we visit, we go to the slave dungeons, we go to the place where our ancestors took the last bath before they brought them down to the slave dungeons. We go back over that whole historical trail. And as we go back over that, it opens us up, and we begin to see uh, the conditions that our people under from a whole different perspective, especially when you go. I wish every brother and sister in America, I wish every brother and sister in America who called himself a Christian, I wish they could go to the United States. I wish they could go to Cape Coast and they can go to the dungeon. And when they go to the dungeon in Elmina and Cape Coast, what they're going to discover is this, that while our ancestors was downstairs in the dungeon where they was fighting for food, feces on the floor, urine on the floor, naked heat, one, no windows, only the, the strong survived. On top of that, there was a church. And the slave traders, the captain and his crew and all the bandits, they would be upstairs at church service. And they would be upstairs in church service praising the good Lord Jesus Christ. And our ancestors were downstairs in hell. That was the greatest example of heaven and hell on earth. They were upstairs in heaven praising the Most High, eating, you know, they, they, they Lord Jesus Christ. They was up there eating good, drinking wine. If they saw a black woman they liked, they'd bring her upstairs, give her a bath, do what they want to do to her, and send her back down. The men, they treated them like dogs, and they just basically was a survival of the fittest. They would throw food down from upstairs off the balcony from the church upstairs, and the men would fight like pigeons. And again, only the survival of the fittest and the strongest were the ones who survived. And so if you're living today in the United States of America, that's because your ancestor was a survivor, and he was strong, and therefore he was able to begat and begat and begat, and therefore you are here today. So we are the descendants of those who were the strongest to survive. But what they will learn is that there's no way that you can call yourself a born-again Christian when you see the way that our people were introduced to the religion that they so faithfully embrace here every Sunday in the United States of America. If they understood the truth behind that, I think that would open up their, their consciousness to another dimension to realize the folly behind what they're doing here. And so this this is the initiative uh, that we've been dealing with since 2017 up until now, and that's to, to build what we call 
the overground railroad because it's not underground. We're going over the water. So it's the overground. This is the overground railroad. That's basically a continuation of what Harriet Tugman did and a continuation of the end of the Civil War. Because at the end of the Civil War, what happened is that uh, chattel slavery ended in the United States of America for our people. So we went to a different form of slavery. And from that new form of slavery that we went into after the end of the Civil War, we've been in that state up until now. And what will happen next after the fulfillment of the 400 years is coming up, it's going to be another war in this country. We can see that happening right now with the uh, situation with the presidency and one side against another side, and it's only going to get worse. So this, this, this second Civil War, that's going to happen in the United States of America. What it's going to do is our people got to get ready. It's going to free them, just like the first Civil War got them out of chattel slavery. This second Civil War is actually going to free our people from the 400 years of, of the transatlantic slave trade that's been, us, that's been holding us down since we've been up under this administration since 1619. That's what's really going on, and that's what's really happening on, on, on really on a, on a divine uh, spiritual level. And so our people got to begin to realize this and realize that America is not the only place and that you, we need to take the blinders off and become international in our, in our thinking and our struggle and our approach to uh, freedom for our people. And so that's what we've been a part of that since, uh, you know, the, the prayers and the beginning on the, on the banks of James uh, River in 2012 up until where we are now with the Pan-Israelite Freedom Conference that are actually hosted outside of this country over in Ghana. And we've met a lot of brothers and sisters over there. We've created a lot of human ties. And, and once a brother and sister go over there, they'll see uh, that, you know, it has its bad as well as its good. But you work through that just like anything else, and you line yourself up with the right people like you do anywhere else you go. And, yeah, and, of course. And, and, of course, and 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 that's and that's the approach you take, and everything will work out. But it's it's, it's another place besides this place, and our people need to know that. And yeah, uh, it's a process. It's all about building building those relationships. And you know, you mentioned a few uh, a few things. Uh, you mentioned the 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 year return in Ghana, and you know, I want to uh, say that you know I, I appreciate what the Ghanaians have done you know, with the year of return. And now yes, coming up in two days, it's, it's the, beyond the return. What now? That's right. You know, so, right. so uh, hundreds of brothers and sisters have already began to receive their citizenship as a result of the year of return. And they are still working on, um, you know, uh, allowing others to also go through that same process of, obtaining their citizenship so some of the laws are changing which which are good in ghana uh they are welcoming uh, americans with open arms uh blacks uh in the diaspora or those uh, you know who are of african descent so i think that uh that that things are definitely changing for the better good and as you as you mentioned before heaven and hell heaven and hell is a state of mind it's a condition right so And so, you know, we have to we have to also understand that. And in understanding that, we have a choice, right? We should have a right. choice whether we want to live here or live abroad or uh, have dual citizenship. That is something that should be innately 
our right. We should not be prohibited from leaving uh, the U.S. and going, you know, abroad if we so desire because we are human beings and we have, um, we should have, you know, we are born with certain rights. And to, right. to detain someone and say that they cannot go here and because they need this passport or they can't do this because they owe child support or because they owe this or they owe that, you know, it's it's ridiculous, you know, the games that are being played in That's addition right. to, you know, the genocide. You talked about genocide, and genocide is the will for killing of a race, and that has gone on since the beginning of time, prevent the rise of the black messiah. You, you we, We're familiar right. with that with Malcolm X, right? right? Uh, murder Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma, right. uh, 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 Marcus, uh, uh, Marcus Garvey, and, and some of the other, uh, you know, great greats. So, right. um, you know, if, if you are not privy to understanding how the enemy uh, moves and works against you, then you will uh, succumb to the same type of foolish tricks, uh, foolish trickery over and over again. So, you know, I really do want to say that it is definitely uh, an honor having you on the show today, brother, to kind of speak truth to power and, um, and shine some light and shed some light, you know, with our listeners as to your experiences of what you have uh, encountered, um, you know, not just with the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper, but living in life. Um, you have traveled back and forth from, from America to Africa. But what was your first experience like going to Africa, um, and what countries have you have you visited? Um, matter of fact, I, my first country in Africa that I actually visited was the land of Israel. That was that was my first that was my first uh, country on the continent because you know. Israel is a part of the continent, although they geographically tried to separate it uh, from the continent to make it a part of what they come up with the Middle East. But as that's a, a term that they've come up with. But uh, in, in antiquity and history, our ancestors walked from Egypt up to Canaan. So it was just like walking from one place to another. So Israel, like Northeast Africa, the only thing that separated North, Israel and Africa yeah, was right. the Suez Canal in 1859. When they dug that man-made man-made ditch, the Suez Canal. So, right. and then they, you're right, they they started separating the two, but it was all one country, one continent. That's right, and that was my first country that I, I visited, brother. And uh, I was I was invited over as a guest from from the, the KOY, the Kingdom of Yah, at the time. Uh, Rabbi Benjamin Yisrael was was living, and. Uh, I was in the year 2000, and I was blessed to go to the land of our forefathers and just walk that land and to see the historic sites and to just revisit our heritage and just to be a part of that and to just enjoy the brothers and sisters that were living there who had carved out uh, a carved out a life for themselves on the continent in the land and it was just miraculous to see that and so that was that was the first continent that was the first a country on the continent that I had gone to, and that was in, in 2000. In 2017, like I said earlier, then Ghana has been my, my second, but now since I've gone, we, we, we set for a trip to in, in November of 2021 coming up. We're going to be going to Nigeria. That's going to be our first uh, chance. Uh, to go to uh, Nigeria uh, with the organization Yitzhak, Israelite Spiritual Action Committee. We've actually uh, set up different chapters in different countries on the continent. We have a Yitzhak Ghana, 
we have Yitzhak Nigeria, we have Yitzhak uh, Uganda, and we expanded. We want to go uh, with the blessings of the Most High. We plan to go to Rwanda, and also we plan to go to Tanzania, and that'll take us to the east side. And so we want to make our way all the way from the east side of the continent over to the west side of the continent, and then we'll go northward, and that'll take us back up to northeast Africa and to the land. So we're on a mission, uh, brother, to actually uh, extricate ourselves from this land uh, and transition because we know it can't happen overnight. We didn't come here in, in one ship. We came in a series of ships over a period of time. And so as we leave to go back, it's going to be like the waves that you see coming in off the water in the Gulf of Guinea. You sit there on the beach and you look at the wave, and what you see is wave after wave. And so one wave come in, you sit there, another wave come in, then another wave come in. And that's how it's going to be for our transition out of here. Uh, because when we, before we went in 2017, uh, we had another brother named Amica. He had already gone in 1999. Uh, before he had gone, we had some other brothers out of New York uh, named uh, Kohane uh, Natanya Halevi. He had already gone in 1995. And before him, even before he had gone even then, Going all the way back, people don't realize it, but Dr. King attended the first independence, Ghana independence on March the 6th of 1957. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was there. And so it's been like waves ever since 57 up until where we are now. And so we see ourselves as a part of those waves that's coming in off the Gulf of Guinea that's leading our people back home, homeward. So um, that's that's what our people need to be a part of, of those waves that's, that's going that way, just like we was a part of the waves that brought us this way when it was on the bad side. But now it's our time. This is a good time for us as a people. So we need to ride our waves back the other way and just come in wave by wave. And, 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 and the key in order for our people to do this is that we have to set up these community organizations on this side to bring the awareness to our brothers and sisters so they realize the opportunity. We'll give you a good example, brother, a good example. Recently in Ghana, recently in Ghana, we purchased, we purchased a half acre of land. We purchased a half acre of land. We paid, we paid $138 uh, deposit for the land and the, each plot is like $29 a month, but I got two plots, so I paid like $58 a month. So for $58 a month, I have a half an acre, and uh, and a community is being built. Uh, the Oscar oh, community is, that, uh, the Oscar is, is being built. Of. That is unheard of. Unheard wow. Of, right. You can't. It's, wow. it's less. It's chump change. It's less than a dollar a day. And you're getting prime land. This land is less than a mile. This land is less than a mile off the Gulf of Guinea, where you see white sand, you see beaches. You just, it's almost, man, I'm just, it's so, it's so pristine just sitting there every day. You have to just check and say, hey, man, you got to do more than just sit here. You know, so you got things that you got to do. But it's just a beautiful sight, the perfect weather. I mean, just, just, it's just like you being back into your natural habitat. And so, we are able to get back in our natural habitat for pennies when we had the knowledge and information. Our brothers and sisters have plenty. They'd be surprised how far that money would go in Ghana. I mean, 
a dollar in, a, in an American dollar in Ghana is worth five of their dollars, 5.8 or something like that. So if if you had $100 in American money, you got 580 some dollars in their money. So our money, it, 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 it multiplies 500% just by being there. So you take a 10,000 uh, income and you actually got 50,000 on that level. And by us having the American standard, uh, with our money and our living, it takes us to a whole different level when we go there. Although we're not rich here, the level that we have achieved here, it places us on a more of an upper crust. We be in like an upper crust zone when we get there. And so that right there moves us from uh, being uh, poor and people looking down. It moves from people actually celebrating you, glad to see you, welcoming you, uh, bringing you back and treating you like a prince actually bound before you and bring it. So this is, oh, man, this is a full circle. You went away in chains. You went away in hatred and sorrow. Now you're coming back, and people actually bound before you and treat you like a prince from a, and inviting you back home. This is nothing but the story that we read in the book about Joseph is just being read out right before our very eyes in this day and time. Wow, man. What, what part of what area of Ghana are you um are you purchasing your land at uh where the community is being built uh it's it's in the it's in an area in the the central region it's in the central region near a city called Winnebe, in the central region there okay. and uh it's it's right between uh when you leave a cry heading toward cape coast uh heading mm-hmm. toward that way yeah it's in okay. there and so yeah so it's uh the chiefs in that land have allotted four hundred acres for the diaspora, and most mm-hmm. sides put it on, on their hearts. And you got different uh, chiefs in different areas throughout the country. You got land in the northern area that's being opened up. You got in all the different areas in the country, they're opening up land uh, for the uh, for the brothers and sisters from the diaspora. And just like the uh, tourism minister said after the death of George Floyd, she made a statement and said, if they don't want you here, Ghana is your home. You're welcome to return. Uh, to uh, to your home, so our people have to get. You know, it's like being in an abusive relationship. You know, you you being in an abusive relationship, but that's all you know. And and although the relationship is abusive, to leave that and to go elsewhere, it's like going to the unknown. So you rather sit there and deal with the abuse because you're familiar with that. But to move out and to move away from that, that brings uncertainty and come. You got now. You got to make it. You got to do this and that. So what you do is that I, I call it the battered woman syndrome. So what you do is that you get used to those whoopings and you try to placate your, you know, your master, and you just hope that he don't get drunk and abuse you, you know, and you hope that you can, you know, that he don't drink from the bottle of racism and get drunk and want to go upside your head again. And so, but uh, that's the. That's the only option uh, that you you know when you accept that. But we're saying that we as a people, we don't have to stay in this abusive relationship. We have another we have another alternative, and that alternative is going the way that we came. And that's what our people got to begin to begin to get into their mind as we approach 2030, because we're in a new decade. We're moving from 2020, moving to 2030. There's no way that our people should continue to operate the way that they operated uh, for the last 400 years. I call it a spiritual Juneteenth. You know, what happened 
uh, he, you know, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation of January the 1st in 1863. But the brothers and sisters down in Gavison, Texas, they didn't hear it. So they continued to languish and to operate as if Choctaw slavery was still the law long after slavery was over with because they didn't hear the word from the man on high who was Abraham Lincoln that you didn't have to do that no more. Well, we liken 2019 to, we call it a spiritual Juneteenth. The Most High has opened up the door. He used the president of Ghana to make the announcement, but he opened up the door to let our people know that Choctaw slavery or the 400 years is over with. Now you can you don't have to continue to operate the way you've been operating for the last 400 years. But again, when our brothers and sisters don't hear the word from on high, they do like the ancestors did in Gavison, Texas. They continue to operate as if Choctaw slavery is still in effect when it's, the fact of the matter is it's over with. So for us as a people, this is over with. But until we organize ourselves and come into the frame of mind, because, you know, once it's over with, you got to leave the plantation. You got to make a new house. You got to get your blanket, where you're going to stay, what you're going to do. You know, Master, he was abusive, but he did have a slave cabin. Master was abusive. He did feature every day. Master was abusive, mm-hmm. you, you know. And so, but now, all of a sudden, now since it's over with, now you got to provide all of that for yourself. And so now yeah. you're in a whole different dimension. And so this is where we are now. It's over with. So what we should be doing is organizing now as a people on how we're going to take uh, advantage of the, the fact that we don't have to be in child house slavery no more to these people. And I think that's good that you mentioned that. Um, and in closing, uh, do you have any final remarks or suggestions for our people um, any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I'd like for you to definitely give your contact information again and uh, and share with our listeners your in your upcoming initiatives. Good. For, once again, um, my phone number for the record, so everyone can have it, is area code 901, and the number is 480. Three, four, seven, five. I said one more time. Area code nine zero one four eight zero three four seven five. And you can contact me that way. Feel free to call anytime you need to. It's open twenty four hours with newsroom. So we have newsroom. We always want to uh, keep the newsroom open. If you get a, we get a message, we will get it and we get back to you. But the newsroom is always open. Uh, and also, again, Yitzhak, our Facebook, Y-I-S-S-A-C. That's Y-I-S-S-A-C. Spell it twice, Yitzhak, Yitzhak, on Facebook. And then you can go to our Facebook and on Twitter, again, at Yehoshaphat Israel. And that way you can uh, stay in contact and you can reach out to make sure I get the publication to you to get the book. I hadn't mentioned the book. I would like to say a few things about that right quickly. I just uh, I published my first book, Family. Uh, the name of the book is The Revelations of Daniel, Yah's Prophetic Utterance to Black America and All Mankind. And what this book does is actually trace the human history, uh, world history, but what it does, it reveals the presence of, of Yah in the, midst of our, in, in the midst of our human history. And that's the element that's been missing out of human history that we have been taught. 
by our, you know, oppressors. They've told us about history. You can go to school and learn about uh, Henry VIII or learn about Charles this or this and that and that. But what they don't do is put it in the content of this is a continuation of the explanation of the dream that Daniel interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar. That's what our historians, that's what our human history people don't want to uh, analyze or bring to the forefront. Because when you understand that when Daniel interpreted that dream for Nebuchadnezzar, human history has unfolded exactly like the brother said it would. And today is a good example. And I'll say it quickly. He, the last kingdom that he mentioned was toes. He said he said he saw ten toes. He said the ten toes was part iron and part clay. So if you got ten toes and and the toes are fractured, so that means you got ten partly fractured iron toes and you have ten partly fractured clay toes. So if you put the ten plus the ten, you got twenty. And that's what what we have today. We have a global kingdom today called the G20. The G20 is made up of 10 rich countries and 10 developing countries. They've joined together to create this global kingdom that gives these 20 nations really dominion over all the other 175 nations upon the face of the earth and this global organization called the G20. The G20 is quite as a kept. They're the main people that's behind uh, this coronavirus that we're dealing with today are coming through the World Health Organization and coming through the United Nations. I cover all this in the book. Uh, the book came out in 2019. All this stuff happened earlier this year. I came out in July of 2019, and the coronavirus came out in China in November of 2019. We went to Jamestown, Virginia, to pray on the banks of the James River uh, in August of 2019, and again, the coronavirus broke out in 2019, and the world hasn't been the same. It hadn't been the same since then. So we see a direct correlation between that, and I point that out in the book, The Revelations of Daniel, Yah's prophetic utterance to black America and all mankind. And I say specifically black America because black America got to see themselves in the mirror. Just like if you take a group portrait, if me and you stood by each other and took a group portrait, we would enjoy the group portrait. But the first person that you would look for in the picture would be yourself. The first person I would look for in the portrait would be myself. So when you look at history, the first people that you look for in the history, you want to see yourself in it. And that's what we have not seen. We have not seen ourselves in history. So we can connect ourselves to the present. I do that in the book. I trace us as a people all the way back in antiquity to the land of Israel, through the various captivities, down to where we are today with the G20. And then I also uh, ended up showing how the Creator would bring all the nations together in the Middle East for the Battle of Armageddon, because that is what we see happening in the Middle East today. That is, this is why Iran and the United States and Israel are on the brink of, uh, of nuclear exchanges. This is why Russia is in Syria right now. This is why America is bringing forces into the Strait of Hormuz right now. The Creator is gathering all these nations, as he said in the, by the prophet Yoel. He's gathering all these nations into the region. So these nations will, will do battle according to the prophecies. And this will actually usher in 
our ingathering to go back home. So all these things are happening right before our eyes. That's why I say we have to get the information uh, from from first from a yah mind, secondly from an independent perspective because they want to keep themselves in power. They're not going to talk about what we're talking about because what we're talking about is eliminating their power structure, and that's the last thing they want to talk about is them being out of power. But the book of Daniel talks about them being out of power. It talks about them coming into power. It talks about how their power is going to be taken away. And that's what I talk about in the book. And this is what's happening right before our very eyes, right today. And so that's that's what I would just like to say. I would just like to ask people, again, the number is area code 901-480-3475. I'll ask you to be so kind and humble. If you get a copy of the book, we're going to ask a $30 donation for the book. And ask three fifty for shipping and handling, which would be a total donation of like thirty three dollars and forty nine cents. We have a supply of the books uh, shipping to you immediately. Immediately, as soon uh, as you purchase the book, your book going right out. And so it's not it's not going to be no long turnaround time. And I would love for our brothers and sisters to be informed about this. And everybody in Black America need to go know about this because this is nothing that had anything to do with religion. And people might say, well, I'm not this. I don't need to read this. Yes, you do. You need to understand because we're all human. We all have a history, and we all are tied to the different events that we see taking place before our very eyes. And so we need to know this regardless of what we say we stand for. We need the information, and that's what I do with the book. I just give the information so our people can deal with it. Wonderful, brother. Uh, certainly appreciate that. Now, with your book, congratulations on the publication of your first book. Do you also have it in ebook form, and uh, where can they purchase it from? Okay, I don't have it in ebook form right now, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't have it there now. I just have the old-fashioned print edition. I have the old-fashioned print edition, and what I did with, with it is that I didn't want to. I didn't want to go through uh, the middlemen like Amazon and Nobles and places like that. I wanted to create our own grassroots distribution uh, uh, centers where we can distribute the book. And if brothers and sisters made money off the commission, they would go to some of the brothers and sisters instead of others who just sit back and make money and don't care less about what we're talking about. I'd rather help somebody who's interested. So what we're doing is that we're distributing the book ourselves besides the other brothers and sisters who act as distributors in different cities where they buy the book wholesale at a wholesale price and brothers and sisters want to get it from them, then they, of course, they pay, they pay the, you know, the, the regular price. But they buy uh, additional copies, about 10 copies, and they get it for a reduced price. And so we've set up networks like that in different places around uh, the country, and we would like to continue to set those up you know, in different cities around the country. And that way we will be our own facilitators of the information and the little commissions that are being made that are going to help brothers and sisters, you know, that's, that's standing for the cause. So we're just trying to create a little economy as long as the education with that. So they can call me directly to get the book. They can get the book directly. I know that's a slow way, but it's a show way. Again, the area code 901-480-3475. We don't want to empower other people to sit back and just, just basically just rake off the benefits from what we do and just get digital cash off of me, digital cash off the next person. And they not and they don't care less what we're talking about. I'd rather share that with you or some another brother, another sister. So that's that's what we're trying to do. 
Well, it's certainly been a pleasure having you on the show, my brother. Uh, you're welcome on the show anytime. We'd love to have you back. Keep doing the great work that you are doing, and uh, we will uh, be in touch again soon. Hey, guys, I want to say thank you so much for listening to our episode with Brother Yehoshaphat Israel, the CEO and founder of the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. Uh, some of you know it as the JCN. Again, that stands for the Jerusalem Chronicle newspaper. It has been uh, an honor and a pleasure having our beloved brother on, and we want to uh, welcome him back in the very near future. Um, he mentioned uh, he's going to Ghana in February, and we'll definitely have him on again to talk about uh, what is going on uh, in Ghana when he arrives there in February. So, Again, brother, we want to say thank you so much. We appreciate the work that you are doing, the due diligence that you have put in, um, and for assisting brothers like myself to uh, to be inspired by the work that you have done with the Jerusalem Chronicle and all that you do. And we want to say again, brother, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, we're looking forward to staying in touch. And I appreciate you, my brother. I want to say I appreciate you likewise and the feelings are mutual. And I thank you for reaching out and giving me the opportunity to express uh, myself and some of the things that we're doing uh, in the community on behalf of other people. So uh, I just want to thank you as well. And thank you and it just, uh, just encourage you to continue to do what you're doing because what you're doing is very powerful. And it's uh, forums like this is how we get our message out. So I'm just honored that you invited me in to ha have me to say a few words this evening. So thank you as well, my brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, and you have a good night. Yes, sir. All right. Peace and blessings, brother. Peace and love. All right. Shalom.